Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 588 with a review of Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I'm Christopher Schnazy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, it is finally here. Steven saw this last year at Cannes. Yeah, like 10 months ago at this point. <laughs> and we've been waiting for it to come out here in San Francisco. And it finally came out this week, even though our local Alamo Draft House, Drink Carson, um, did not freaking open this film this week. Um, but yeah, if, if you listened to our review of Birds of Prey and you listened all the way to the end, you heard us whisper about how our next review would be of Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Truly the Birds of Prey of this Oscar season. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this is a film that the critics have definitely loved. Um, and I've been talking about it for a while, and I think that myself, and I mean, Stephen had already seen it, but of course he was excited to see it again, and uh, I think a lot of people that are sort of following the film industry were probably pretty excited to see um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire this weekend, and it is finally here, so we are going to bring you that review. We're also going to have a re- review of The Assistant, um, which uh, Stephen had heard some interesting conversations about, maybe, um, yeah. but basically... On uh, Friday, Stephen texted me and was like, hey, by the way, I'm also going to try to see The Assistant this weekend. So I was like, sure, I'm game. I'll go see it and we'll be able to uh, put out a review after this one. Um, But yeah, we are not going to take too much more time. We are going to just jump right into this review. We're going to take a listen to the trailer for Portrait of a Lady on Fire and then we're going to come back and give you guys a review. Intéressé par ma fille et Milanais. Nous partons là-bas, si le portrait lui plaît. Elle a épuisé déjà un peintre avant vous. Que s'est-il passé Je ne sais pas. Elle vous attend. All 
All right, so that was the trailer for Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Um, basically, uh, this film takes place in a time that was before swiping left or right. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, if you wanted to find yourself a wife... Uh, you, you had to swipe down. You, you would uh, hire somebody to paint a portrait of a woman that you may uh, want to be betrothed to. And then they'd send you that photo. And you would look at it and decide, uh, hey, I think I'm going to marry this woman. And uh, this story follows a painter who was sent to... Is it an island? She definitely hops on a boat. Yeah, I believe it's an island off the coast of France. Okay, so it's an island off the coast of France. Uh, She is sent there to meet this woman and paint a portrait of her. However, the catch is that uh, this woman doesn't like being portraited. And uh, she has to, in secret, paint a portrait of her. And that's sort of the experience she has on this island meeting this woman. Um, Stephen Miller, obviously you you are a fan of this film. Mm -hmm. Um, You uh, saw this a while back, but you're re-seeing it now. Would you like to tell us a little bit about why you are fond of this film? So I felt similarly to this, how I did with Parasite when it was going wide, where I... I felt very strongly, but I also didn't know how it would play when a trailer reveals what the film will be about. Um, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that this is a romance. I feel like that is how this film is being marketed to the general audience. And it yeah. came out on Valentine's Day for a reason. Um, oh, yeah. But because when I, they didn't want to fucking release it yeah, sooner than that. <laughs> uh, of course. But when I watched this movie at Cannes, I knew nothing except for this is called... I didn't even know Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I knew the French name, which meant I did whatever. I knew it had lady in the title, right? <laughs> Otherwise, I, I was just watching a period piece and watching it unfold over time, like as the filmmaker uh, uh, wanted it to happen. And there, there was something about this movie, at the time I was watching it, that it it had this sort of crescendo of romance to it that i didn't expect like it builds and builds and kind of snowballs over time and i was a little reluctant when i would recommend it throughout the year because i knew this worked on me very well but i have no idea how it will play in a market where people are expecting a french call me by your name right like a a a, um a queer a friend- romance period piece set in France because it, they're just different from being surprised by a movie where partway through you learn it is a love story where before that you didn't really know what you were going to get. You yeah, know, it's, know. it's kind of very different framing. Um, you're, you're working from the surprise of where it's going versus the I am waiting for this to catch on to this love story. Exactly, yeah. And what really surprised me is – my memory of this film is so much more overtly like sensual and erotic than the movie actually is. In my memory, this is like up there with blue is the warmest color in like very sexual, very romantic, like long, long, long scenes of two people falling in love. That was my memory of this movie. In reality, the love, the actual romance on screen doesn't happen until like two thirds of the way through the film. Yeah. And it only gets... A couple scenes. There's actually very little that is overtly sexual in this movie. Yeah. Um, and yet, in my memory, it was huge. It was kind of like it eclipsed everything else. It was such a romantic, sensual film about falling in love. And I think I realized watching it a second time that what this movie really is about is about the memory of love. It's about the the feeling that you have. <laughs> Which is the song from... Call me by your name. No, no, it, it is a lot like Call Me By Your Name in that it, it it's about the feeling you have when love has passed, when this ephemeral thing has happened. How will you choose to remember it? And I think what I really appreciated in this movie is how much 
that first half, that first two thirds is doing to set the groundwork, not for so in a typical romance, the first half would be foreplay, right? It's like building yeah. you up for this inevitable release of tension that you're going to get. And it's trying to like set all the gears in motion. So when it happens, you feel like overwhelmed by the, the need for this to happen. I would say Call Me About Your Name is kind of like that, where it sets up all the pieces and then you know they are going to come together. And when it finally happens, it's going to feel like a rush of endorphin because we've been seeing them interact awkwardly for a while. So we know yeah. what it's going to feel when they finally come together. This movie is so much about memory. Like there, there's a big conversation in the middle of the movie about uh, the myth of Orpheus and Eurydice, um, of the the couple that basically has to go through Hades and Orpheus is told, just don't look back. If it, It's very much like the biblical story of Lot and his wife, right? Yeah, yeah. Like if you look back, she'll be turned into a pillar of salt. So don't look back. And the big question is, why do they look back? Why do they do this? Even though they were given a simple instruction, if they did it, it would work. And in this movie, there's a conversation in the middle of the film where every character has a kind of different opinion about it, where one says, this is just, he was so in love, he couldn't help but look back. And then the other says, maybe he made the poet's choice. Maybe he chose to look back because he would prefer the the memory of the thing to the reality of the thing itself. And then the third character says, maybe she told him to look back. Like, maybe she would rather be remembered than live in this world where she'll become forgotten again. And I think... So much of this movie, it's building up this idea of how big love will be in your memory, in hindsight, that it pulls off, for me, a kind of magic trick where it, like, the, mo the, the love story in the text of the movie is there, but it is not that huge. But in my memory, it is enormous. Like, it was huge. And I, I think it has something to do with the way the movie is framing your your view on love and your view of the the unattainable, like the thing that you had for a few days and then you knew you had to leave, um, which is a very long-winded way of saying <laughs> that I <laughs> I love this movie on second viewing. <laughs> um, I, 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 can, I can see how actually the journey the second time allows you to get more enriched experience through it because you, the first time you watched it, you had no idea what you were watching in general and you watched the slow pro progression of two people sort of becoming fond of each other and then working towards building a memory that may last them a while. Um, and the second time you really got a chance to dive into the dialogue itself yeah. in the in-between scenes, like that, that whole Orpheus stuff, like that is something that did not even register yeah. to me a, because I don't really have the historical knowledge of the Orpheus story and B because like, it's a random scene in the middle of a film that is doing a lot of different things. Right. Um, so it is interesting to see like that, like for me to be able to relive this film through your eyes, having seen it a second time is, is kind of an interesting uh, juxtaposition through the experience of myself, a knowing ahead of time, the story I will be watching and B watching it for the first time versus the second yeah. time. So we'll remind me, we'll talk about the, ghost scenes in this movie after yeah. you say how you feel because it ties in a lot to the Orpheus, Orpheus story too. Okay. Um, but what, what's interesting is my memory because we talked about this film a couple times when I saw it at Cannes I called in that night I think and I mentioned it you had kind just of in gotten out of it right? Yeah I, mean, I said you... oh shit I forgot Portrait of Lady on Fire I think I love this movie I don't know what to say about it. Yeah yeah. Um, my memory of this movie was all 
romance and no detail at all. And it was it was just interesting to revisit it and realize how much this film is doing that is not explicitly romantic. Um, yeah, I love. I, I think the actresses are both great in this film. They do a good job of showing. There, there are two different characters in a period piece where one is the independent woman who has the ability to choose a life for herself, but has also not been able to see much of the world. And then the character who is kind of the, the, the stereotypical kind of character in the nunnery, right? The one who is like guarded away from the world and hasn't gotten to this experience. Is the the young yet. assistant sort of uh, girl, not yeah, no yeah. relation to the film that we're going to be talking about. Yeah, but yeah like... no, no, no relationship. But but you have her, and then you have the daughter, the kind of cloistered, yeah, wealthy woman who has not. All, all of them, much like Call Me by Your Name, like they don't know anything that quote matters yet. You know, they haven't really gotten to experience these things. And I, I just love the way this movie. It takes its time. It is definitely a movie that rewards patience. It is not a movie that will move from scene to scene with any kind of urgency. It is trying to paint a picture of what life would be like for these yeah. people and then show you what wanting looks like. And I think what what is really lovely about this movie is the way it it frames it in terms of painting, where it's about observing people, observing the little details, like how one hand will clutch the other hand or about how a person will move their cheek a little bit when they laugh or like getting little glimpses of what a person is and falling in love with that, with the memory of what, what adds up to the some whole of a person. Yeah. Um, I thought on second viewing, especially it was really nice to just watch that for what it was knowing where it was going. I knew it was going to build up to a crescendo of an ending that I love. Like I, I knew the last five minutes of this movie are going to get me no matter what. Yeah. So I could just kind of enjoy the details for what they were without caring what they were building towards. And yeah, I just think it's a, a really lovely movie about memory and about, about how your the nostalgia you have for your first love or the forbidden love or the one that couldn't work can grow so big in your mind that it can outweigh everything else. And it can kind of like propel the rest of one's life when they think about it. Yeah. And I, I just think this is a wonderfully romantic movie that, yeah, it, it worked on me wonderfully a second time. And we'll talk about ghosts, and we'll talk about the song, and a couple other things after I hear your do, thoughts. Do we want to have a, a, a an explicit spoiler section, or do you think I, you I can don't talk? Think we need to. I think okay. we can talk around it. Um, so yeah, so um, I guess the best way to talk about this film, for from my standpoint, is to um, first I want to just rip the bandaid off and say not all of this film worked for me the way it did, sort of as a whole for you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say that I disliked the entire thing, but it was a little bit hard for me to grasp everything that this film was doing. But what I do want to do is praise some very beautiful and magical things in this film. I think that there's a lot of... St- First of all, I'm not super familiar with French French filmmaking, so I, I don't have a lot of stuff to compare it to. So I don't know how much of this is like typical French filmmaking and how much of it is just this film doing this thing. But I think that, that for myself, um, the... Maybe maybe the thesis of the film and where it goes to at the end, like those fi- those last five minutes that you're talking about, blew me away. I, like, mm-hmm. I, I love the 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 end of this film. This film nails a landing. It sticks the landing. Yeah, real it well. sticks the landing amazingly. While it was in the air, I was like, "There's no way they're gonna land this. This is Jesus Christ. She's gonna yeah. get real hurt." <laughs> like not nothing about the story, but I mean, like I'm I'm taking the <laughs> the metaphor full bore and thinking of a gymnast tumbling through the air, yep. hoping she's gonna land when I know she hurt her leg on that last vault um 
<laughs> shout, I gotcha. shout out to the Olympics like 20 years ago or whatever it was. Um, but anyways, point being, um, like the entire journey didn't completely work for me. Um, but I think sort of the lead into this film and the crescendo and the end of this film are very, very beautiful. And maybe some ghost things really, really worked for me in, in, in this film. Um, and we're talking about ghost imagery, not literal ghosts. Yeah. So it's not, we're not spoiling anything. This isn't like a suddenly a horror film or anything like that. Um, this isn't Personal Shopper. Yeah, this is not Personal Shopper. Um, but like Personal Shopper, I might like it even more on upon second viewing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that one of the things that I found most interesting about this film is based on based on the simple premise of the film, which is one woman is coming here to meet this character, um, is supposed to paint her without being able to have her pose and paint for her, which means somebody is intently studying another person. And in any sort of, you know, meet cute or relationship beginnings, two people meeting where there's some sort of chemistry there, there, there are subtle things that you pick up about a person noticing you or a person interacting with you that you can either interpret as one thing or another. And I think that in this film, you have a character who, by her job, needs to intently study the physicality and the look and the presence of another being. And that person, in receiving those looks and glances, like this sort of, this dance of these two people noticing each other, noticing each other, Mm-hmm. but for different reasons and how that plays and sort of how how the experience of these two interacting with each other could lead to more than was maybe potentially intentioned at the beginning of their encounter. Um, that, I thought, was um, was a very interesting concept. And, like, as that was happening, watching it through the artist's eyes and seeing a person commit to memory the subtle curves of somebody's, you know, neck or chin or whatever, like... I really, really thought that was an interesting concept. Mm -hmm. And I think that over time, that sort of gets abandoned and it sort of becomes a fleeting sort of idea. And it sort of, I was kind of all wrapped up in this idea of like, oh, wow, that's very interesting to see the sort of like subtle play that these two people have, but they don't really know why the other person is paying attention to that person. Like there was something about that that I really thought was an interesting concept and idea. Um, And then when that went away, I sort of was like, oh, Okay, fine. Well, now we'll just go into this as we're going now. Um, and then if I can scoot towards more towards the end, there are things that happen in that story that just, I, I think, like, okay. So I, I am, I'm not foreign to the idea of a very truncated time spending with a person having that leave a lasting impression on you. Right. We all saw Doc Butter. <laughs> no, no, but, but, but I mean, like, I, I, it's not like I, it's not like I don't believe that the short amount of time these people could have with each other could form this lasting thing that sort of lives on after their encounter with each other. But I think that this story is, I, I feel like the story we are watching is from the point of the painter, but the reality of the existence of those two characters, it is sort of the the uh, the the portraitee. I don't know what's what's the word, what's what the word for the person being painted. Um, the person being painted sort of 
is leading the life that would require her to long more for the thing that we are watching the film about. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can compare it to a film which we didn't like that much that we saw at Tribeca a few years ago, Disobedience, right? Mm. So in that film, it is a story of forbidden love and a person who exists in a culture for which she has to deny her actual self and has to pretend she doesn't have these feelings that she has. And while we didn't think that was a particularly well-made film, it is doing a very specific thing, which is circumstances require somebody to ignore who it is that they are. And I think that in this film, one of the characters is betrothed and has to marry if, unless some magical thing intervenes. But the character that the story is being told from the point of view could have gone on and loved again if she so chose to. Right. So I, I think that while the story does have a beautiful coda to it, I think that like the reality of this – like. It's I feel that the the only way that a love like this persists throughout time is if it's not replaced by another love. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that the character who we're seeing this film's through the eyes of is the one who has the option to love again. Yeah. So because we're having told because it's being told of this of this like lost love I feel like it's the wrong person telling the story. I don't know. There is something that didn't jive with me completely because she is the character who is not stuck in the position where she couldn't love again, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, no, I buy that. And I think that is, that is true. So the, the character names I think are Marianne and Eloise, where Eloise is the woman who is to be married and Marianne is the portrait artist who is there to paint her. And I, I think I agree with you that for Marianne, it is not clear that this was, the one love, the only love. I think the film pushes you toward that a little bit, but I do think the movie is more about Eloise and how it would feel for her. And yeah. I think even the feelings in the final scene have to do with projecting onto Eloise like what that would feel like. Yeah, yeah. But, I, but I think I do agree with you that this person is teed up to kind of live a life that she wants to live and potentially experience more in her life that has... Would dwarf because I kind of am in the same boat with this and with Romeo and Juliet and with standard stories. But I'm like, well, okay, you spend a week together. How <laughs> Titanic? How great could it be? Like, yeah, yeah. Come on. What What is the thing that cannot be replaced? Like I, I get that with love stories. Also, I like my pragmatist self uh, comes into play and kind of feels like it is maybe outweighing it. And that's why watching this movie a second time, the way it emphasizes memory and the choice of leaving someone and the weight that that will carry um there's a so there's a famous poem called ode on a grecian urn that is all kind of about a picture of two people looking at each other who are about to kiss but have not kissed yet and the ode is kind of about how that is the best moment in life is before the thing happens the moment of anticipation for this great thing that will happen yeah how that's going to outweigh everything else because <laughs> how lucky are they right like they get is to it, be is that the poem poem about whether or not you ask out the girl who is your friend that you've been friends with for a long <laughs> yes ode, ode on a friend zone <laughs> <laughs> um but but the, but the idea behind that that uh, poem i think it's by keats uh, is that like you know, the best moment in any kind of romance is that moment of anticipation before you know the outcome. Yeah, yeah. And how the memory of that, if you could just freeze time there and live there forever, that would be the most romantic experience in the world. Yeah, yeah. And I think this movie is living on that level where it is saying that the the fact that this love 
could not be and the memory of it as this unattainable thing that you are walking away from and choosing to get one glimpse of before leaving. I think that is the thrust of it. And it is true. I think the literal details of the romance kind of fade compared to that in, yeah. in this movie. So th- th- this film is divided into two chunks, I'll say. One is, I- I'll call this film, I'll call the two chunks rough draft and finished product. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Th- there's two point par- parts of this film. Um, if If the characters were able to skip directly to finished product, would there even be a romance? Because I because I feel like the this film there there's a there is a sort of re- artistic rejection that happens partway through this film, mm-hmm. which triggers the actual romance to begin kindling itself right. um, until the kindling lady is good, on fire. Good fire word. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but, but I feel like I, – I think part of – yeah, I, I feel – yeah, I, I, think, I think that's why I struggle with the interesting concept of the first part of the film where it is not two people immediately drawn to each other. It's one person intently studying another and then the other person slowly warming up to the, the person A. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that – because of that interesting concept, I forego the lack of chemistry at the beginning of this film. And then later on in the film, there's, I mean, obviously there's chemistry. These two have great chemistry together. Right. But the context for which we are viewing them is one of them sitting there quietly staring at the other one while the other one purposely doesn't talk to them. <laughs> which is, I guess that's playing hard to get in whatever year this film is supposed to be set in. Yeah. But it, it, sort of, it sort of lacks that sort of interaction that makes you feel like, damn, these two should be together because i want to ship them or whatever right it it, it feels it feels more like two distinct um disjointed parts where it requires the mother to sail off for five days in order for them to sort of build towards this romance Mm -hmm. which i i think sort of pulled me out of the story a little bit Mm. yeah I, i i can see that so it is worth saying that adele hanel who plays the uh the daughter who is to be wed in this movie uh, is the actual partner of the director, Celine Sciamma. Okay. So I think some of that, um, the chemistry is actually brought to bear because the director is actually in a relationship with this woman. So it's, yeah. a, very, it's a very kind of like personal way that the camera looks at this person. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I can see that. And I do think, again, I mentioned the, the romance in a literal sense takes up much less weight of this movie than my memory of it was. And I think it's because A kind of like call me by your name i think this movie and carol for that matter i don't know why like queer period peace love stories in particular seem to do this where it it is less about the two people to me than it is about the what love represents for them like what it's rejecting or what it's rebelling against because they can be in love yeah and and in this case the movie very clearly brings it home like we talked a little bit before about their there is a section of this movie that is about a completely separate subject that has nothing to do with romance but does have to do with the byproduct of romance. Sure, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and women in this time in history and what they would have to do to assert their decision of who they want to be in the world and who they don't want to be, right? Um, and I think it, it's really hard, kind of like in, in Little Women, there's a moment when Joe talks about stories that get written and is it 
that you write about a thing because you know people want to read it or do people want to read it because you've primed them by what you choose to write about? And like, if you chose to focus on other events or other things in the world, would you change the tide of what audiences relate to, what they empathize with? Yeah. And I think a lot of this movie is about the restlessness that these women feel in this time of their life of like, how can I have agency? How can I come into come into my own self and like assert what I want and what I don't want. And I think the, the romance and the other event that we won't spoil both kind of fall into that of things of people choosing. This is who I am and what I want in the world. And this is my like tiny act of rebellion where I get to decide who I, who I get to be in this world that is determined by other people. Yeah. um, Otherwise. So I think like, there's the romance, but then there's all the other things that the romance means to them. And I think the things that it means kind of start to outshadow the details, right? Yeah. So the, the Romeo and Juliet effect of, like, they were only together for a week, and do I really buy that in the three days they're explicitly romantic, X, Y, and Z happen? I, I don't know. But the the memory to the artist of, like, what that kind of love meant for them, that is what I believe. And I think that's what page 28 and the, the music at the end i think those all build to that really wonderfully even if yeah. the, the details are kind of more mm, fictionalized or whatever than than a very realistic movie yeah. would have been there, there, there's also there, there's a few subjects that we haven't talked about and there's one more subject which i'll still continue to ambiguously state um that uh, this film sort of deals with but doesn't really dive in deep enough and sort of characters makes decisions which sort of counter what I would believe a character who has this understanding would do. Sorry, I'm speaking incredibly uh, ambiguously, but um, you referenced um, you referenced Little Women and uh, the context of this film are the, 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 the character being portraited. Um, she wouldn't be the Joe character. She would be the Florence Pugh character. You're right. Um, uh, and the what we know about what happened to the Joe character um, sort of is like this other thing that hangs over this film and talks mm-hmm. about um, uh, your ability to control your fate in the situation. And there's there's once again this is like another thing that this film dives into and presents this idea of the character we are watching is put in here because of actions another character did and is now. Uh, stuck in a life that is out of her control because of an action that somebody else took to take control of their life. Right. And and there, there, there's it, it's like this film plays with so many interesting ideas, and each one of these interesting ideas makes me sit forward in my chair and go, mm, mm, let's see what you're going to do with this. And then we spend time dealing with that other subject matter that we're not talking about. Mm-hmm. And 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 it, I found it. I found it hard to find one cohesive narrative in this film and instead a bunch of interesting ideas that, while very intriguing, are sort of too far apart to really um, make me understand the true thesis of this film as opposed to a bunch of interesting concepts that are being brought up. Right. So can we talk about the ghost moments in this movie? So it took me a while, even though I had seen it before, to realize what those are looking at. Yeah. Uh, did, did did that make sense to you by the end of the movie? It um the the imagery was enough for me to sort of think that I understood what it was doing. I 
if I had to reverse engineer those scenes, I don't know why I would place them in those exact moments. Mm-hmm. So there's still a disconnect between what I understand and think the the director was doing, but I I get the concept of it. Um, but I I was more just shocked by like the beauty of those shots. Yeah. Like the, it, it's it's an, like a it's breathtaking sort of presentation especially given the color palette of this film right um which is like very very just dingy like dingy dark and sort yeah, of this like this is maybe the only like bright white in the whole movie yeah this, yeah yeah this part and it and it's really like a very it's it's moments of 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 just sort of like out of nowhere boom there you have this this shining imagery and it's it's very impressive and it makes you kind of sit back and go like wow and then you kind of go, huh? Okay, where are we going now? Yep. <laughs> and especially there, there's one moment where it happens where somebody's standing on the other side of a doorwell. And like those sort of like so close together things make me kind of shake right. my head and wonder. Well, well there's also a, a, a stated history involving a sister that kind of, I think, could yeah. make you believe that you're looking at something very different than gotcha, what you're looking yeah, yeah. at. That's, um, that's the thing I was sort of offhandedly yeah. referencing before. Yeah, gotcha. But yeah, yeah. Because yeah, um, that to me, those, especially watching it a second time, it builds so much the feeling of this being about a kind of preemptive memory, you know, yeah. a, and, and the the realization that this movie is being told or being remembered in the future by like yeah. present day version of Marianne, right? So you're um, saying there's like the painter was visited by aliens who speak through ink. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Sorry, that was a really stupid joke for anybody who's seen yeah, Arrival. Yeah, this is the Arrival. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but, but 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 there's this sense of like, even in the middle of like a romance that is about to bloom, yeah. you're being haunted by the eventuality of it instead yeah, yeah, yeah. of the memory of it becomes like a thing that is haunting you during. And I, I wait, thought there was just wait, something really interesting there, which is also an interesting subject. If you can completely abstract away from this film, right? You have like the marshmallow problem, right? Like, do you do you want to eat your marshmallow now, or do you want to wait an hour and then have two marshmallows? But what if you wait an hour and there's no marshmallows, right? It's mm. like does is this a subconscious projection of like eventually i will not be able to have this thing that maybe in this moment i don't fully want right but the fleetingness of it and this sort of imagery of it being out of my grasp makes me need that more Mm -hmm. um so yeah yeah and this is also where it does really tie back to the greek tragedy that they talk about because the whole story of the tragedy is that uh orpheus cannot look back right he's like lot or whatever he's being told not to do this and then they're theorizing why does this happen and eventually one of the characters says maybe she told him to turn around maybe she told him to look back and the last moment that these two characters share in the film is turn around and that image is what we're seeing burned in through the rest of the movie right of that choice the like this is me now and i'm gonna vanish i i I think there's something i still don't even know what it means but there's something very interesting about that thought that i think kind of it it percolates in my brain after i watch this movie of what is this saying about agency and about what you're choosing versus what you what is forced upon you and and even outside of agency these two exist in a vacuum for five days where there is no outside influence there's just them being able to enjoy their time together and time passes as they want to perceive it they can draw it out as much as they want they can go to sleep early and time travel to another day like yeah. and and this uh this sort of apparition of the reality of time is about to be ending is sort of like it's 
it's a manifestation of a ticking clock that is like, oh, this isn't just forever in this moment. This is about to abruptly come to an end. And it's something we're going to have to reckon with. But we are only talking about our eventuality as this concept, as opposed to something that we actually have control over. So, right. Uh, two two last things I would say about the movie. One is that I love the scene where the painter is revealing to Eloise the things she knows about her from observing her, like what she does when she's nervous, what she does when she doesn't know what to say. And then Eloise turns it and says what she reveals about her. I think yeah. that that really brings the idea of love being about truly seeing the other person. And like if you could fully take in what the other person is, you would almost inevitably fall in love with them. Like yeah. I, I think that's a really beautiful idea, and the scene plays it really well. And then the the final moment in this movie, I, I don't want to spoil it, except like Call Me By Your Name, someone goes through a whole range of emotions at one time without any words happening. Yeah. And I think that's just a, a winning formula. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it's it's a performance like at the end of Good Time, where it's... A single person having to do a shit ton of work yep. that is completely – there's nothing written. It's just pure performance yeah. that only works because your journey up until yeah, that they, moment. Yeah, they're doing the exhale for the movie that you watched yeah. afterwards. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, I think that probably brings us to our verdicts for the film. Stephen Miller, uh, I think I know where we're going with this. But if you're going to do this, a must-see, a record of the caveat, wait for until pass of the caveat, or must-avoid, what would you give it? Uh, this is definitely a must-see for me. I had joked multiple times about this being the kind of classic artsy-fartsy movie, the Rochelle Rochelle of Seinfeld fame that <laughs> critics loved because it was a sexual awakening of a young woman, blah, blah, blah. But watching this movie a second time, like it, it holds up phenomenally well. I think it it just is so romantic without ever being exploitative or gratuitous or it, it isn't doing the things that your typical, like this is my lesbian romance film would do. It, it It isn't being, it isn't relying heavily on anything. There isn't like heavy nudity. It is nowhere near as overtly erotic as I remember it. It is so much about the feeling of falling in love and the feeling of wanting. And I think the director just does so much with that while showing so little that it, it's just a really, to me, incredible movie about the feeling of the preemptive nostalgia that you feel when you, are falling in love and you know that it won't last. And yeah. I, I just think that's a, a really beautiful thing. Um, if I will say this. If you are going to see this film in theaters, pick an old theater that only old people go to. Because there is a scene involving a mirror that young oh, people yeah. what young people just will not be able to handle. Luckily, my theater, there was a little bit of tee-hee in the theater that I saw it in. But definitely, it's, it rang as strange to some folk. Um, and, uh, they were unable to contain their, their, uh, their teehees. Definitely the most actual erotic part of the movie, yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, take that, Rose and Jack. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so, so for my, for my review, um, it's, I think if I'm honest with myself, I, I, there's a lot of good ideas in this film and a lot of interesting things. But as I said at the beginning, before I tried to like talk about all the things that were really, really positive, not everything worked in this film for me. So for I'm going to have to lower it down to a wait for rental. Mm -hmm. um, that's not – I don't want to take anything directly away from this film 
I appreciate some of the really brilliant moments in this. I think the ending is amazing. I think there's really interesting ideas at the beginning. Um, there's a lot of stuff in the middle that I'm sort of like outside of like, I get that things were happening during this time and it was tough. <laughs> it, it doesn't work as a cohesive narrative to me. So for me, I didn't walk out of it really being gripped, but there are moments that still stick with me now as we're talking about it. So it's it's like a wait for rental with a caveat. Yep. <laughs> I feel yeah. Uh but yeah, that is our review of Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? People can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning, Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning, or Instagram.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Portrait of a Lady on Fire, so hopefully it's all those women around the fire singing, because yeah. that scene was fucking amazing, oh, yeah. and we haven't talked about it yet. But that in 1970 or just the two acapella music scenes of the year i think <laughs> it was pretty amazing like for a second i was like did the soundtrack to dunkirk just start playing what's because it was doing like the, the raise forever thing yep. and then the started happening and i was like fuck this is amazing i love this movie yep. um but anyways that hopefully is playing right now i haven't checked the soundtrack yet but yes this is our review of portrait of a lady on fire hopefully you enjoyed that and then we are going to go take off and by take off, I mean stop this track and then start recording a second one so we can talk about a little film called The Assistant. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>